0: Alright kids, Here, heading off to Sunday school, the Pastor Marcy and team, as you're waiting, to, some of you guys are waiting with anticipation, grab your Bibles, we're going to be in our Bibles this morning. If you need a Bible, we have a phenomenal hosts here that will bring you a church Bible. If you don't have a Bible at all and you need one, grab one of these church Bibles and take it home with you, okay? Yeah. Kim, if you need a Bible, and you can take one home with you if you want. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Hey, just a couple quick things. I want to kind of go over a few of the announcements. Just a happy Father's Day to to the men in the room. Uh, Whether you are a biological father or not, you are a man and you are important. Can I just say that? Um, in a world that wants to de-emphasize the importance of men, men, you are important. And so uh, walk with Jesus. And um, I just want to give you a little pastoral advice. Um, or how about fatherly advice, because I'm older than most of you. Older than some of you, I should say. Um, whether you are, again, a biological father or not, is your number one role is to love Jesus. You need to love Jesus. You need to follow Jesus. You need to walk with Jesus. That's the number one thing. And then after that, if you are married, um, you need to love your wife. And not just love her because what she does for you, but you need to love her like Jesus loved the church. That's how we're told to love men. Men, we're told to love our wives like Jesus loved the church. And what did Jesus do for the church? He sacrificed for her. And so um, do that. If you're dating, that's free advice. (laughs) That's free advice. You'll be a hero. Um, But you are important. A couple other announcements I just want to share. The adult mission trip and the wildfire youth mission trip is coming up. uh, It it showed up really quick. Uh, We haven't done one for a couple years because of all the COVID and all the restrictions. And so we're going to the Soboba Indian Reservation. Uh, down in California, Uh, they've invited us to come. And so deadline is this Tuesday. That's why I'm sharing it right now, um, is this Tuesday. So we need your paperwork in and uh, your $100 deposit. And so grab paperwork and sign up. Right now we have about, I think, about eight of us going, which is awesome. We'll take two or three, because the Bible says with two or three gathered in his name, he'll be there. That's all I want, is I want to go where Jesus is at, and uh, it's going to be awesome. Uh, but we would love to take, I reserved two vans, 15 passenger vans, so we can take up to 30. And if we have to rent another one, we will. But, um, but if we have one van, one SUV, one slug bug, whatever we have, we'll, uh, we'll make it work, okay? It's going to be awesome. And then the last one, I want to say, uh, community barbecue is this Wednesday night. And so it's an opportunity, like uh, Pastor Marcy said, for us to just love our community, serve our community. Um, spend money on our community. So we've rented a 100-foot inflatable obstacle course. Um, Tony will be here. He's going to run it first. Take him a, It's going to take him about an hour. Um, and so, no, I'm just No. Five minutes probably just to get up to the first. No, I'm just kidding, man. I'm just, I'm just messing. Um, but it's going to be great. We're going to have a bouncy house. And uh, it was funny where I can... Staff meeting, we're talking about the bounce house. Where are we going to put it? We're talking about putting it kind of on the slant. But then all the kids would bounce, and so they'll be stuck in the corner of it, you know, just laying on top of each other. We're going to do that. We have barbecues. Who's grilling? Doug, are you grilling? Okay, so we're doing uh, burgers and hot dogs, and we have uh, all kinds of stuff. So please come. Um, please serve if you, if you can help. help. Um, but if you're hungry, come and eat, and just hang out. It's going to be really fun. Really fun. All right, speaking of fun. We're uh, looking at the timeless Word of God, <laughs> and um, we are going through the book of Peter. And you know, when you go through the books of the Bible, or a book in the Bible, and certain passages, what I love about going through the Bible is, like, I'm not, like, picking topics. Like, I would just love to come up here and talk about the love of Jesus every single week. It'd be easy, because God's love for us is so incredible, incredibly amazing, but... What's interesting when you go through books of the Bible, sometimes there's topics that like, wow, these are tough topics. These are kind of difficult things to even talk about, difficult things for me to walk out and live. Um, What I should have done pastorally is probably pick one topic and done it for four weeks. I'm going to blitz you and give you four topics in one Sunday and then let you and Jesus deal with it this week. Okay. And so we're going to talk about self-control this morning. We're going to talk about submission we're going to talk about servanthood and we're going to talk about respect self-control submission servanthood, and respect so turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter two we're on page ten forty eight in the black church Bible we're going to be looking at just a few few passages this morning there's a lot here but Again, I just want to present the truth to you this morning, and then really, when I, when I said, yeah, I'm just going to let you and Jesus work it out, I'm really serious about that. We should be working out our relationship with Jesus throughout the week, not just popping in on Sunday morning and trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do today, but every single day walking with Jesus, and, and these are incredible uh, things that He helps us with. He helps us with our self-control. He helps us with our submission. He helps us with our servanthood and, and the respect of others. So, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war. We're, you're asking me where we're at. We're in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Thank you for asking. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Let's pray before we jump, jump into the Word. Can we do that? Hmm. Lord, we are thankful, God, that you are with us. God, we're thankful that your word is timeless. This wasn't spoken to some who were scattered thousands of years ago, but it is spoken to us right now today. It's spoken to us who our minds are scattered, and even some of our lives are scattered. It's spoken to foreigners and exiles in a land where they didn't belong. They longed for a home. So, Lord God, as we long for our eternal home, as we're here temporarily, God, that you would speak to us, that you'd help us absorb your truth, you would help us to see it, you'd empower us to live it, give us wisdom to speak it, in Jesus' name, amen. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, dear friends. I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify your God on the day he visits. Submit yourselves, hey, this, buckle up here. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority. Or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing so, by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone Love family of believers, the family of believers, fear God and honor the emperor. Self-control and submission, servanthood and respect. That's what this passage is talking about. Not always easy for us to jump into passages like this, right? So let's start off with the top. Dear friends, as foreigners and exiles, abstain from sinful desires. So the first thing that we need to acknowledge is that there are sinful desires in each one of us. And some of us, might that might be a revelation that might be new to you. But for some of us, we're like, okay, tell me something I don't know. I know I have those, so what am I supposed to do about those? Because what do those sinful desires do to us? Well, Peter says they wage war against us. They wage war. So how do we deal with those thoughts, those temptations? How do we abstain from those things? For me personally, the closer I am with Jesus, the easier it gets. The more I press into him on a daily basis, a moment-by-moment basis, it becomes easier. When I watch and, the things that, and filter the things that I allow into my life, like when I watch what I listen to, what I observe, it makes a huge difference in my relationship and my walk with Jesus. So how do we wage war back? If we're being waged war with, so how do we fight back? Paul gives us a couple different examples, so I want you to turn over into Romans chapter 7. So you're turning back in your Bibles just a little bit. This is the passage, I mean, I say this often, but it's a great read Romans is a great read. Heather and I read through it several months ago. We should probably read through it again. Rome was the ruling power of the world, and there's a group of believers there that had that mentality like, hey, I belong to the ruling power of the world. And Paul kind of puts them, reminds them that they don't just belong to Rome, but they belong to God. And so he he reminds them who they are. And so Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 is... Being dead to sin and being alive to Christ. And then the struggle, and that's what we're going to read this morning right here. But then life, that we've been given life, and nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans chapter 7, verse 21. (laughs) So Paul, the writer of 13 books in the New Testament, who we think, a lot of times we think, oh, he has it all together. This is Paul talking. That's something that he, about his own personal struggles. Romans chapter 7, verse 21. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. This is Paul talking. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? But thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then myself, in my mind, I am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. And so Paul says, the things that I want to do, the things I know I should be doing, I don't do those things. But then the things that I know that I shouldn't be doing that I struggle with, I do those things instead. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm going to say, do you relate? I can totally relate to Paul. Because I know the things that I should be doing, but I don't always do those things. And I'll fall back to to the things that make me comfortable, the things that I think will bring me what I need. And God never calls us to that. We're supposed to go to Him because He knows that He is what we need. And so we see this, this work in us. And then Paul, turn over to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul continues uh, t- to the group of e- Ephesians and says, Hey, so in the, in the midst of this battle, since we're talking about battles, you need to suit up. I've got something for you to wear. Ephesians chapter 6. I want you to notice this isn't beach attire. Because a lot of times we think as, as Christians, like, hey, we just show up, we're saved, now we're rescued, we're free from sin. Now we just get to go to the beach and hang out. <laughs> so when I, say, when I hear suit up, I want to like, yeah, I want to uh, get my flippers, I want to get my, The what's the white stuff you put on? Those? Alex, you're the surfer, dude. Zinc oxide. That doesn't sound very great, but... You get the zinc oxide, you put it on your nose so you don't get the, uh, the, the skin cancer when you get older, right? Sometimes you still do. Um, maybe we should have put it all over our whole face. Um, you know, I want to put, bring the beach towel, the little short chair that you, so you can sit in the, you know. You know what I'm talking about? You tracking with me? That's what I want. When I hear about suiting up and walking with Jesus, I don't want to hear about warfare and all that stuff. But Paul says, hey, I want to, I'm challenging you. Because this is a battle. Ashley talked a lot about it during worship this morning. We are in a spiritual battle. And not only individually, but for us as a community, we are in a spiritual battle for this community. So why are we inviting them here to hang out and have free burgers and stuff? Because we want to love them and let them know that there's hope. And there's so many people that you run into uh, that there's no hope. And do, have you noticed, like, walking through a grocery store lately, how everybody's heads are down? And very few people now make eye contact. Some people are still wearing masks, and masks are cool. Especially the decorated ones, the little bling ones. Grace had the bling ones going. Uh, yeah, it was nice, but Grace. Okay. But did you notice that what COVID has done is it's made us even pull back further in, as far as socialization goes? And so we have less socialization. Yesterday, standing in line at a store, uh, actually Friday night, and a guy walks in. He worked there. As he's walking around the corner, we made eye contact. I smiled. He smiled. And then he said something like, hey, how are you doing? I said, I'm great. How are you? Something like that. And as he walked by, Heather goes, hey, do you know him? I'm like, nope, never met him before. But just there's a longing for connection with people. There's a longing for that right now. So we want to invite people here and let them know that, hey, there's a, here's a place where you can connect. Yeah, connect with us, sure, that's good. But we want them to connect with Jesus, ultimately. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities. Against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the devil when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray. I'll just stop there. A lot of times I've said in the past that in this passage, there's only one offensive weapon. But actually... I'm going to recant my statements from the past. I'm going to say there's two offensive weapons here in this passage. The first one is the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. And that's the truth of God, that we can fight the enemy's lies by speaking truth. Okay? And I'm not saying going out and battling people verbally. I'm saying the lies, that, and that can happen as long as we do it with grace. As long as you do that with a heart of love and surrender to Jesus. But I'm talking about the lies that come into your mind in the middle of the night. That's what happens to me. Those lies show up in the middle of the night. I'm I'm defenseless. I'm sleeping. I'm trying to sleep, I should say. And that's when those lies show up in the darkness. And we need to combat those lies with the truth. Heather tells me often just tell him to go back where he belongs. You know. The other offensive weapon here and I just used it at the very end is prayer. Paul says you've been you've been suited up, you have all this stuff on, so now pray. You know, prayer is not just rattling off our list and then getting up and walking away or rolling over and falling asleep a prayer is, yes, we speak, but we also listen. I would challenge you to listen twice as much as you speak, actually. He's given us two ears, one mouth. Use our ears and, and listen to what God is saying to us. It is a struggle, but Peter says, abstain from sinful desires, and that means we have been given the ability to do that. If you're a believer and you walk with Jesus, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of walking with Jesus and having His Spirit in us is this whole list of amazing fruits. But it's actually one fruit. It's not nine individual fruits. Because if we call it nine individual fruits, then we're going to pick and choose which fruits we want. And we'll make the excuses like, oh, I wasn't given that fruit but we have been given all of it as, as, as believers in Christ. Love, joy, peace. Oh, let's skip the next one. <laughs> it's patience. Like, oh, no, I wasn't given that gift. Yes, you were. Patience. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. We'll skip the last one. The self-control one, uh, I wasn't given that one. I've always done this. I've always been this way. This is just how I talk. This is how I think. It doesn't have to be that way. I don't have to talk the way I used to talk. I don't have to think of the things the way I used to think because now I'm a new creation in Christ. And I've been given these amazing gifts, this amazing fruit that they would just flow from me when I walk with Him. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'll have those things. Now, I may have to work on some of those. And if you've known me for very long, you know I'm still working on some of those. But we've been given the ability to abstain from those thoughts and those desires that the world literally dumps on us. Paul sets that whole thing up by starting off in Romans 6 and says we're dead to sin. It has no power over us, no control over us any longer. But what happens is we, like Cindy said, we will go back to it and try to do it on our own, in our own flesh. Like I can make this happen. I can do this. No, we can't. I'll just say, I'll be really firm with you. No, you can't. You cannot walk with Jesus on your own. You need everything that he has for you to be able to do that. But the the amazing thing is the relationship that he it's his idea to have a relationship with us. Absolutely his idea. Even with fallen, broken, far away people, Jesus said, I want relationship with them. Now I'm not describing somebody else. I was describing us. Fallen, broken, fallen away people, far away people. I'm describing us. That's the way we were. And that's the way we can be when we try to do it on our own and walk on our own. And so Peter goes on to say, after, okay, abstain from these type of things, he talks about submission to authority. This is a tough one for some. Or can I say all? Can I paint it with that big of a brush? I don't want to go 35 miles an hour. I'm just telling you that I'm. I'm having a pastoral confession moment. I don't want to go 35 miles an hour. I don't even like going 60 miles an hour. Someone just told me they're uh, when they were visiting. They're visiting Texas. There's a special toll road in Texas. They're super excited. They're going there here soon. It's 90 miles an hour on this toll road. And I'm like, even if I'm going 90, the inside me, I'm like. I think I should be going 95. <laughs> you know? There's this rebellion in us, right? And it's again, it's something that we will fight moment by moment. But we have the power to fight those, those things. But he's saying here, our job as believers in Christ is to submit to our authorities. Yeah. <laughs> Including our bosses. What if I don't agree with my authorities? What if I don't? I just don't. We have all these excuses, right? Well, I'm not of that party, and so I'm not going to submit to that authority. Do you think Peter is speaking from and about a government who was Jesus' followers? It'd be easy to write, to me, it'd be easy to write this passage to say, "Yes, yeah, submit to your authorities. If you had a godly Christian leader who, you know, every morning they would swing by or they would send out the, a blog and like, hey, how are you doing? Just want to remind you who you are in Christ today. I know, I know, you know. But that's not who Peter is talking about here. Nero was the, one of the most wicked men who's ever lived on the, on the planet. Nero was the Caesar of the day. And in, in 64 AD, he actually burned Rome down. He lit it on fire. And you know what he did? He blamed the Christians for it. And so what happened was massive persecution for Christians. Christians. If you were a Christian and you were caught being a Christian during Nero after that time, and you were a Roman citizen, he had mercy on you, and he just beheaded you. That was mercy. If you were of low esteem, if you were in poverty, if you didn't fit in, then it was a brutal death. They usually... It was their TV of the day. They would wrap you in animal skins and release you out into the, the main courts and people would watch you be eaten alive by and tore apart by lions. That's not just fantasy. That's what happened. Christians were burned at the stake for walking with Jesus. And Peter says to their authority. A year after Peter writes this book, he would be crucified upside down by the authority that he's telling us right now to submit to. That's crazy. Cuz sometimes I want to fight. I'm not going to do what they're asking me to do. But that's not what Peter's saying here. And what and what what is the purpose of doing that? So we will silence the foolish talk. Can I just say right now in our world, there is a lot of foolish talk out there. And I'm not picking parties. I'm not telling you what channel of TV you're watching. I've, wherever I look, there's foolish talk. And so we're supposed to live lives that follow Jesus, that represent him, And so they'll look at us and say, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this person. But that's what they did with Jesus. The authorities arrested Jesus and took him to Romans, and Romans interrogated him and looked at him and said, I don't know what you want me to do with this guy. This guy's innocent. And yet, the pressure was so big and it was so political that they put Jesus to death anyways. That was God's will. We realize that, right? I hope. I hope we realize it was God's will for Jesus to die. Because sin is a serious issue. This whole sin thing is a serious issue. And so Jesus came. God said, I I love them so much, I'm going to send my son. So we're supposed to submit ourselves to the authorities over us. Now, what if, so here's, I always have a what if because I'm rebellious. Well, God, what if they're telling me to do something that you've told me that I'm not supposed to do? Okay, that's where we, so that's where we draw the line, okay? Nowhere in here, I haven't seen it, you can show it to me, please, where it says that I'm supposed to drive 35 miles an hour. Okay. It's posted everywhere, I need to do it. I need to do better at that, I'll just tell you. But what if my authorities say something contradictory to the Word of God? God tells me to do this, but my authorities are telling me to do this. So, so what do we do? How does that line up with Peter here? Well, I'll tell you how it lines up. We do what God says. Because the guy who wrote this book, Peter, stood before the Sanhedrin, which was the court of the day in his culture with his buddy John, and they told him, you guys need to be quiet and stop talking about Jesus. And his response was not, okay, I know I'm going to write here in a couple of years to submit to my authorities. No, what they said is, we see what you're saying, but we have to obey God, and God tells us to go. God tells us to speak of the name of Jesus. And so that's what we will do. And they looked at each other like, well, we don't even know what to say to that, and they let him go. In the Old Testament, there's the three guys. There's a great veggie tales of it, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, it's something in Benny. What's the, what's the names of the, the... Jordan, you're looking right at me. I know Benny, is... Benny is one of them. That's the one I know. But anybody know the, the veggie tales? What is it? Shak and, and Benny. Yes. Watch it. It's perfect. You know, it's perfect. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which was not their names, that was their exile names given to them by the government, they were told, you need to bow down to this idol. They were God followers, not little g God followers. They were Jehovah God followers. And so that's where they, and they had obeyed, they had listened, they had risen above everybody else, those three and Daniel. They were respected, and there was expectation of these three, right? but they told Nebuchadnezzar, we will not bow to your idol. And did Nebuchadnezzar say, oh, that's okay then. No, the punishment of not bowing to this idol was to be thrown into a burning furnace. And I love their response. Now, they did it, here's the thing, they did it respectfully. I would say when the government comes against us, our response should always be out of love and respect, like Jesus did. So their response was if we are thrown into a blazing furnace the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and we and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand but even if he does not check that out hmm. I don't even like to think that part I like to say the first part but even if God doesn't deliver us we will not bow to your idol, Nebuchadnezzar. And what was his response? He got mad, and he threw him in. And what was God's deliverance in this case? There was an angel inside there, but it was an angel, capitals? It's a pre-incarnation of Jesus. Jesus showed up in the furnace with them. And they're watching four guys walking around a furnace. Didn't make sense. The fire was so hot, it killed the people that threw them in. It was that hot. Daniel actually later would respond when the government told him you cannot pray. Will that ever happen here in the United States? Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to say yes. But I'm not going to say no. But what if they said no? I know Christians all around the world are told them they can't pray. And so what do they do? They get up in the middle of the night, they gather and pray. They meet secretly to pray because that's what God tells them to do. Gather together. Spend time with, together, but spend time together with me. And so that's what they do. When we're told that we're not supposed to do things that are contrary to the Bible, we graciously and lovingly obey God. Is that coming? It's here, church. But we do it with Grace. We do it out of humility, and we do it with thankfulness. Verse 15, 1 Peter chapter 2, For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. You ever wonder what God's will for your life is? As a pastor, I hear that often. I'm sure Pastor Alex in 38 years had so many people show up into his office and said, I just don't know what God's will for my life is. It's right here, church. Do good. It's right here. If you want to know what God's will is, do good. Now, there's a whole list of good in here. But just do good. Serve people. Care for people. Love people. Love Him first. Serve Him first. Care for Him first. But then right behind that is uh, we're supposed to love and serve and care for people. Verse 16, live as free people and do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. I want to say when I read this passage, so I pre-read First pre-read Peter because I felt the Lord say, hey, I want you guys to rule through First Peter. I'm like, ah, 1 Peter sounds good. I'll do it. And then I read it, and I was like, God, you, and I actually remember saying it out loud because I was reading it at home, and I think I grunted, and I was making kind of weird noises on the couch. And she's like, so what's going on in there? And I said, man, this is tough. There's some tough stuff in here. Just wait till chapter three. Men, buckle up for chapter three. Wives, buckle up for chapter three. Because I looked at that word slave there, and I was like, ah, that can't be that word. Live as God's slaves, because what does he say? We are free. We're free. Peter's admission to us is we have to know who we belong to. That's what he means by that. Now, I want to say slavery is a wicked, brutal thing. In fact, today is not just Father's Day. Today is Juneteenth. I don't know if you guys recognize what Juneteenth is, but Juneteenth is a recognition of the unofficial day that slavery ended in the United States. In 1863, Abraham Lincoln, on January 1st, signed a decree, the Emancipation Proclamation, setting people free, setting African Americans free. Two and a half years later, still not free in parts of the South. And so a general rides in to Galveston, Texas, and sets the final few free, few, quote, few, several thousand. And that's where freedom, that's, so that's why we celebrate Juneteenth. It's the unofficial final day of slavery in the United States. It's huge. It's huge. African-American people were not treated properly in this country. They were exiles and foreigners. First Peter was written to them as well. They were exiles and foreigners in a land where they did not want to be in. And I just want to say, church, I'm 57 years old, and 58 years ago, in parts of our country, African-Americans still had to use separate bathrooms, drink out of different water fountains, have different office spaces. 58 years ago. That is ridiculous. It's crazy to me. Have we learned from that? I hope so. But what we just went through, I don't know if we necessarily learned from that fully because we isolated people. Whether Whatever side you were on, we isolated them. We canceled them. I'm not hanging around you because if you believe in that. We didn't change much which is sad to me. And How do we change? How does that happen? It's the word of God. We're introduced to a mighty God who changes us, who works within us, and changes the way we think and helps us view people as his creation, as his image bearers, no matter what color their skin is, how much money they make, where they're born, where they're from. 1942, in a place where we celebrate every fall here in our area, the Puyallup Fairgrounds. We go there, we celebrate, we eat cotton candy, we have corn on the cob. I always have corn on the cob when I go to the fair. It's great. It's the best 10 bucks you'll ever spend. (laughs) Kills me, but I do it anyways. But did you know for over 100 days, That in 1942 that the Puyallup Fairgrounds were turned into an internment camp for the Japanese. And families were taken from their property, and their property was taken from them. And they were put there, and it was brutal. Right here. Fifteen miles from here. I hope we learn from those things as a church. And I hope we will battle those things as they come, as we see those things come up as isolation and separation come, that we will battle, that we will be united. doesn't matter who they are, where they're from. We will love them and serve them and care for them like Jesus did. Today in our world, oh yeah, slavery, we don't have slavery in our world today. Forty million. And that's, an, <laughs> that's just like a guess. That's not counting. They're saying... There's 150 child laborers that are forced to do labor every single day. They they get pennies for making our shoes. That's slavery. Millions right now, millions in our world. It's not right for us to treat people any less. Yes. Peter says, we are free and we should live free, but don't take that freedom and use it for evil. Verse 17, he says, show proper respect. Who are we supposed to respect? And he hits it right out of the gate, everyone. <laughs> Amen, done. But then he gets a little bit more specific. So he says, respect everyone. But then he says, especially fellow believers, now that's easy. I can respect you. But then respect God. Live lives of reverence for him. And then the tough one. Respect your emperor. Respect your governor, your president, your mayor, your police officers. Respect Now, did Peter say agree with them? No, he didn't say we have to agree with them, but he said respect them. What's our mandate as the church for those who are in authority over us? Yes, we're supposed to listen. We're supposed to submit, but we're supposed to pray. I don't agree with everything that's going on in our world right now. No matter what country I lived in, I can look at the different countries like, nope, I don't agree with that, don't agree with that, don't agree with that. But my mandate is to pray. So do I pray for my president? I do. Do I agree always with my president? I don't. Do I pray for my governor? I do. Do I agree with him? Not always. But my mandate is to pray and ask God, God, will you touch his heart? God, will, he, will, will you bring him into relationship with you? Would you bring her into relationship with you so that they would know you? Not so that it would make my life easier, but so that they will have eternal life in Christ. Bells and whistles for everyone. That's what we want, right? We want that for everyone. Self control, submission, servanthood, and respect. And I'll say this, and I say this often Church, what if we live this way? What if we live this way, church? What if we live lives of self control? You know, the numbers across the board don't really change when it crosses over from the secular world to the church when it comes to abuse, divorce, um, cheating, theft in the workplace, all those things. It doesn't change much. Man, there, to me, there should be a radical change because we, as followers of Jesus, have been radically changed by His grace. Lonnie was saying, oh, PK, try to get us off for about a half an hour on the inner tube, you know, just driving around. That's called grace. (laughs) (laughs) What would it look like if we humbly submitted to those in authority over us and prayed for them? I mean, really prayed for them. What would it look like for us to to serve one another and have hearts of servanthood? What would it look like for us to respect one another and not have biases, prejudice, and even racist thoughts about one another? What if we just respected one another? I think it would be different Honestly, I think it'd be different. I believe that God's given us opportunities to make a difference. I believe this Wednesday, when our community shows up here, it's an opportunity for us to do this in front of them, to live lives that are honoring God, serving Him, but then honoring them as well and serving them. Can you stand with me? Hmm. <laughs> Hmm. Cindy's word is so good. We are alive in him. He's given us the freedom. He's given us the power to defeat all the whatever comes our way. And the armor of God, hold up your shield of faith. You're struggling with things coming your way this morning. Hold up your shield of faith because it has the power to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy doesn't mean that the flaming arrows aren't going to keep coming, but if you hold up your shield of faith, they won't, they won't get you. So maybe some of you this morning need to hold up your shield of faith and just remind yourself who your God is and remind who you, who you are in him. Maybe some of us need to revisit the submission thing. And we need to humble our hearts before God and we need to humble our hearts and we need to pray for those who our sovereign God has placed above us. His word says that he puts the authorities in place. So God, this morning we're, we're thinking through just all the things that you've spoken through your word this morning. God, that really come down to just walking in your will and doing your will, and that's simply just to do good. God, I pray that we would respect one another. Whether we agree or not, that we would still respect. Again, no matter where they're from, what they look like, how much money they make, what car they drive, the food they eat, the food we eat, God, that we would respect one another, that we'd really live lives like you ask us to, to love you first and then to love people, God. Help us to do that, Jesus. You've empowered us to do it. Lord, I pray that we'd walk it out. Well, for every man in this room and every man who's watching from home, Lord, I just pray that today, would we honor them in their calling? And God, what you've asked them to do, God, that they would do good. (laughs) God, for the fathers in this room, I pray that you'd bless them and I pray that they would feel Hmm. I just pray that they would feel appreciated today. That they'd be thanks today. Hmm. Hmm. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing, God. Thank you for watching over us, for caring for us. Lord, be with our kids. Just thinking of kids this morning, the Sunday school kids this morning. Be with them. Help them to be the generation that rises up, that brings great revival to our nation. In Jesus' name. And the church said? Amen. 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 God bless you. We will see you next week.